0: I'd like for you to go with me this evening to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. And this morning, uh, we looked at the passage in Genesis from the 5th chapter, and uh, verses 21 through 24, on the subject of walking with God. And we noted that Enoch walked with God. Uh, We saw that because of the lord's grace it is possible for you and i to walk with god Uh, we also noted that it is a privilege for us to walk with god to think to consider as paul would use the language to wit that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself he came to us to make a way for us to be restored to the proper relationship with him so that we might walk with the God of this universe. It is a privilege to walk with God. And then we noted the pursuit, the choice that we have to make on a daily basis if we're going to walk with God. You don't walk with God by chance, but you walk with him deliberately choosing each day to walk in obedience to Him and to walk in fellowship with Him. Now, we know that a very important way in which we can walk with God is through His Word, reading His Word, meditating upon His Word, studying His Word, obeying His Word, living it out in our daily life. God did not just write an encyclopedia for us to pull off the shelves when we need reference material. God has revealed to us in the pages of the Bible himself his plan for us and for our lives and has given us an order in which we must live it. You may be a young person here. Uh, You may be a a young married couple. Uh, You may be uh, well on beyond those stages in your life. You may have different roles and responsibilities. But wherever you find yourself in the cycle of life, know this, that God's Word is for you. God's Word, as I've mentioned before, it's a book that is to be understood. It has a beginning, Genesis, and it has an ending, Revelation. And if we're going to understand what God is doing in this world, then we need to learn His book. From Genesis to Revelation it's not just as I mentioned a moment ago reference material it's a book for us to read it's a book that as we read brings life to us spiritual life it is a book that transforms us it is the book of God and so I want to speak to you on this subject this evening reasons you should read the scriptures the reasons you should read the scriptures now i'm going to give you seven in this message and i want you to understand that these are by no means exhaustive in other words i imagine that if i had the time and you had the time we could be here for several hours talking about all the different reasons that are given to us throughout the scriptures but for the sake of time and clarity, we're just going to look at one passage tonight, and that's the passage I've asked you to turn to in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. And we'll find seven reasons enumerated for us in these verses that will help us understand why we should read the Bible. And so I hope you'll read this passage with me, and then we'll note some things As we move forward, the Word of God says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I want us to just look at this passage for a moment. And as we look at it, we'll see these reasons that we should read the scriptures. And I want to begin with the first one. Number one. You should read the Scriptures because of the authority and the power of the Scriptures. You should read the Scriptures because of the authority and the power of the Scriptures. Notice, if you would, in verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and the list goes on the emphasis here as we look at this first thought is on the fact that the scripture is given to us by inspiration of god and it is profitable so we learn something about who authored the bible this book that you and i hold in our hands has one author that's the lord himself The Bible says that holy men of God, as the Spirit moved upon them, holy men of God were moved by the Spirit, and those holy men of God, the apostles and the prophets, they wrote the words that God inspired them to write. They wrote with their own unique personality. They wrote in the context of the times in which they lived but they wrote as God commanded them to write. And there is a beautiful unity to the scriptures. The Bible is the story of God. It's the story of man and the story of redemption. How that man can be brought into perfect fellowship with God. So we need to understand that this book that we hold in our hands is authoritative because excuse me because of the author how many of you fighting this cough right now yeah i've been fighting it for a few days i feel great i just can't shake the cough and then it hits me at the most inconvenient times like in the middle of the word authority yeah yeah god wrote the bible Who has more authority than God? He created the universe. He hung the stars in space. He established the laws of science. He has the plan. He has the knowledge. He's the author of this book. We ought to be interested in it because of who wrote it. God wrote it. There are so many books. Solomon said, he said, there, there's just so much to study. There's so many books, so many words. That's the problem with the books, right? All the words in them. And uh, people are looking for answers in books. How to have a better marriage. How, how to find a better job. How, how to better themselves. How to make more money. How to get in shape. What's the latest diet craze? And every author seems to propose that they have the answer. But you and I all know, we all know that a lot of the answers that have been proposed in many of the books that we've read aren't really even up to value of the paper it took to print them, right? The things we've been told all our life we shouldn't eat, now we're being told we should eat them the things that we were taught we should do, now we've been told we shouldn't do. I mean, it's just, that's the cycle of life and the answers of humanity. God's Word is inerrant and it's infallible. It's unchangeable. We do not seek to change God's Word or to bring it into Uh, Favor with the trends of this world because God has authority. And so we should read the Word of God because of the authority and the power. It's profitable. It's good for us. It helps us. It changes us. It transforms our lives. So number one, read the Scriptures because of the authority and power of the Scriptures. So let's develop habit of reading the bible because to neglect it is to neglect the greatest source and resource on earth number two you should read the scriptures because the way of salvation is revealed in the scriptures the way of salvation is revealed in the scriptures what is the greatest need of mankind it is the need for salvation. Jesus said, "What shall it profit a man if he lose the whole if he gain the whole world rather and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing more valuable than our soul. There's nothing more important than what happens to us in eternity. And so the way of salvation and knowing the way of salvation to be delivered from death into life." is the greatest need of humanity and it is through the scriptures that we understand the way of salvation notice he says in verse 15 and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in christ jesus there's only one way to be saved by grace are you saved through faith And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That rules out every other religion the world has ever known and brings us to the point where we're confronted with Christ, the only Savior. There is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved but by the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if you want to know how to be saved and how to get to heaven and be with God for all eternity, how to avoid death and hell, then you find that out in the scriptures. But I think it's important even for those of us who know this to understand it so that we can declare it we need to know how to explain to a lost and dying world that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to be able to learn the Scriptures and to point men to Jesus Christ. So number two, we should read the Scriptures because the way of salvation is revealed in the Scriptures. Number three, You should read the Scriptures to understand the doctrines taught in the Scriptures. You should read the Scriptures to understand the doctrines taught in the Scriptures. We live in a very doctrinally confused time. There are churches that dot the landscape of Hickory, North Carolina, and they teach... uh, a wide array of doctrinal things concerning salvation, concerning the baptism of the believer. There are Baptist churches. There are Lutheran churches. There are non-denominational churches. Uh, There are Presbyterian churches. There is a Catholic church in town. There are a wide array of churches And in this day and age in which we live, many have given up the thought that doctrine is important. I want you to understand that doctrine is very important. It's important to God. Because the Lord Jesus said that the scriptures are profitable for doctrine. Doctrine, our beliefs, the teaching of the church. On important subjects like the doctrine of sin. To understand that we are all sinners. The doctrine of salvation. How one comes to faith in Christ. The doctrine of Christ himself. Who he is. And his atoning work for us on the cross. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit. A part of the Godhead. The doctrine of. Of the church. How the church is to be. Organized. How it is to function. What its function is. All laid out for us. In the Bible. And when we get away from doctrine. Then we're left to our own ideas and fancies. And that's where we get off course. The doctrine of heaven and hell the doctrine of the second coming of Christ. These are all important doctrines that must be taught and preached. And so be careful when anybody tells you not to be concerned about doctrine. We definitely need to be concerned about doctrine. And the word of God is profitable for doctrine. For example, the book of Romans deals with the doctrine of Christ's cross the doctrine of salvation through the cross. Ephesians deals with the doctrine of Christ's church. First and second Thessalonians, rather, deals with the doctrine of Christ's coming. We need to understand these doctrines. We need to know them. And we learn them in the scriptures. That's why we need to read the Bible. Now, by the way, if you're going through the Bible for the first time, or maybe the fourth time, or maybe the fourteenth time, you're not going to understand every doctrine. But you're going to learn every time you take a trip through the Scriptures. Number four, you should read the Scriptures to receive the reproof provided by the Scriptures. You should read the Scriptures to receive the reproof provided by the Scriptures. What is reproof? Well, it's something we don't like. That word reproof carries with it the idea of conviction. The conviction of sin. You've heard people say this. I've heard people say this. And we perhaps have been guilty of saying it at some point ourselves. But I don't feel convicted about that. Maybe we're discussing a particular thing or a particular sin. I don't feel convicted about that. Well, the truth of the matter is your feelings or mine are not what matter. It's what God says in his word. And it may be that you and I don't feel conviction over a certain thing because we have resisted the voice of the spirit of God. We have resisted the teaching of God's word in that area. And we have decided to overrule God in our own lives and go our own way. And we can grieve And we can quench the work of the Spirit in our lives if we're not careful. When we set up ourselves as the authority to say what's right and what's wrong. But the fact of the matter is, as we've already learned, God has the authority, does He not? You see, that one thing is important for us to establish because it really determines for us how the Bible will guide our lives. And when we understand that the Bible tells us what's right and what's wrong and there's no question about it we can find a lot of gray areas no question about that and my point tonight is not to try to zone in on certain things my point tonight is is that we need to expose our foolish hearts our fleshly desires to the light of God's word and let God speak to us through his spirit and through his word to reprove us of things in our lives that are not pleasing to him it might be an attitude it might be a lack of obedience it might be a transgression that we're committing a habit that we've allowed into our lives god's word reproves us of those things by the way Wouldn't you want to know they're there? James likens the word of God to a mirror that we look into. And the picture is of someone that's getting ready to go out uh, into the world. They're getting to go out perhaps to work or or to a, a gathering of some sort. They're going to be seen by people. And they look into a glass to see how they look. They're checking their look in the mirror. And though there are imperfections there... They neglect to deal with them. And the word of God reveals to us our imperfections. It reproves us and we all need that accountability. We have a wonderful gift of seeing everyone else's imperfections. But we turn a blind eye to our own. So we need to stay in the Bible so God can show me where I'm wrong, where I got off course. Here's the fifth reason we should read the Scriptures, and that is to receive the correction provided by the Scriptures. I'm glad that the Bible doesn't just tell me where I'm wrong, but the Bible tells me how to get it right. The Bible tells me what correction I need. And if I follow the Bible, if I follow God's commands, then I can live, as we learned this morning, as Enoch lived, a life that was pleasing to God. God can correct my thinking. He can correct my habits. He can correct my attitude. He can correct my actions and my deeds or my misdeeds if I will submit myself to Him. Galatians is a book, for example, that is concerned with correction. What were the Galatians doing? They were moving away from the gospel that Paul had preached to them uh, to another gospel. And so Paul is calling them back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Colossians, Paul corrected the church because of a doctrinal departure. A dangerous cult attacked the headship and the lordship of Jesus Christ in Colossae. And he exposed that cult, and he corrected the false teaching that had come into the church. And so we received correction. Let me give you the sixth reason. Aren't you amazed at how quickly we're moving through these? Don't get too excited. We have a business meeting. but I think we only have one motion, so it shouldn't be long. Number six, to develop the godly character that is taught in the Scriptures. To develop the godly character that is taught in the Scriptures. Notice again in in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in christ jesus all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine we looked at that for reproof we've looked at that for correction we've looked at that but notice the last phrase in verse 16 for instruction in righteousness the word instruction here refers to education and training of children or the cultivation of the heart and mind it really defines what we're endeavoring to do through the ministry of our christian school to train our children in the way that they should go we're not just doing that limiting that by the way to the christian school we we're doing that in our Sunday morning Sunday school we're doing that in our Wednesday evening Bible clubs with our children we are endeavoring to train them up in the way that they should go to teach them to train them to develop and by the way it is a process of developing godly character it, I carries with it the idea of chastening it carries with it the idea of discipline discipline holding children accountable giving them responsibility setting expectations upon them to behave in a certain way that's a good thing for us to do it's good to have expectations And we should seek to set those expectations. We we should certainly then work in our homes and in our church and in the ministry of our school to develop that kind of character in their lives. To teach them to be courteous. To teach them to be kind. To teach them that purity is something to pursue. To teach them to avoid using language that is displeasing to God. To teach them to honor the Lord in their lives. But not only them, all of us. All of us. And the way that happens is when we expose ourselves to the Bible. The Bible teaches us to forgive one another, not to hold grudges. The Bible teaches us to love one another. The Bible teaches us to prefer one another in love. The Bible commands that we not be jealous or envious of one another. That we don't tear one another down with our tongue. That we don't gossip. That we don't become critical of one another. This is what the Bible teaches us. And oftentimes, I think we've kind of become content with a, 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 almost a lip service Christianity that says, well, we believe the Bible. Amen. But it's almost in practice as if we think we don't really have to obey it. Then we excuse our disobedience. And so, say, well, that, that's just that's just my personality. I, I really can't help it. Really? You don't think God has the power to change your personality? I'm not saying make you a completely different person. I'm saying conform you to the image of his son. The word of God has the power to do that, right? Yeah. Well, why isn't that taking place in my life? Well, it may be because I'm not being exposed to the word of God. You say, well, Pastor, I've tried to read my Bible. I didn't get anything out of it yesterday. There will be days like that. But you'll get more than you thought you did. You'll develop a habit, a routine, a character of putting your shoes on and taking a walk with God. That's a good habit to develop. And, you know, I think God will allow us to go through dry seasons just to test us to see if we really mean business. You see, it's easy to serve God when everything's going your way. But when you're walking through a dry season in life, God's going to reveal to you whether or not you really love Him and are seeking to be obedient to Him. Are you seeking just a feeling? Are you seeking some ecstatic state? of being and mind? Or are you seeking God? Are you going to live according to God's teaching? Are you going to develop a godly character that refuses to participate in the things of this world? This is why we need to read the Bible. Well, then lastly, lastly, A seventh reason we need to read the Bible is because the Bible equips believers for service. The Bible equips believers for service. We live in a service-oriented world, and by that I don't mean that we're trained to be servants. I mean, by that, we're trained to be consumers. We're used to being served. One of my grandchildren was up on the couch and said to me, I need some covers. And I looked at that precious little child and I said, you do. You see that blanket in front of you? (laughs) Go get it. My wife often does a lot of things for them, as, and they become accustomed to it. They want to eat on their schedule. They want to eat what they want, when they want. I'm amazed when I walk into the lobby of our Christian school around lunchtime that the welcome desk is full of Chick-fil-A and Starbucks And one of the dads brought in some food the other day. And I said to him, I said, did you ever imagine a day when you were in school that you could have called your parents and said, hey, I'm hungry. Will you bring me some Chick-fil-A? Now, my mother loves me. And my dad did, too. But I think if I would have called and placed an order and asked my mother to go get it, I don't know that I would have been in school the next day. (laughs) Now, we all do things for our kids. But the truth is we've spoiled them to death. And we're living among the most entitled generation that's ever lived in this country. And we're all guilty. We're all guilty. But the notion that service is something that God wants and is worthy of is a notion that's entirely lost on this current generation. You talk to young people about a job in a Christian school and an opportunity to serve God. Now, God's given us a great team here. I want you to know that. But I'm amazed at the attitudes, not of the folks we have here, but of many that you talk to. They're more interested in what you're going to do for them than they are what they're going to do for God. This the age in which we live. We've been served to death. But we need to recognize that the Lord Jesus, though he has served us, now as saved sinners, we have the responsibility to serve him. I want to go down there on the front row and, you know, do that little uh, thing that some preachers do. That's good preaching, preacher. <laughs> but I'm going to avoid that. Look at verse 17. What is the product of the work of God's word in our lives? That the man of God may be what? Would you say it with me? Perfect. What does that mean? It means complete. It means outfitted. Completely outfitted. And he goes on to explain it. Thruly furnished. Unto all good. What's the last word? Works. We're not saved by works. But we're saved. To do works. We should do works. As a result. Of our salvation. In other words we ought to have a desire to serve God. It shouldn't be hard for us to find people who want to serve God if we're exposed to the Bible. How do you change somebody's thinking? Someone who thinks that the church is here for them and is providing them with the services they need. Well, and by the way, part of that mentality developed over the last 30 or 40 years because churches began to market themselves. I don't mean promote the message of the gospel. I mean they began to design their product based on the perceived needs of men and women. And their target market, of course, was the unchurched. Now, we should go after the unchurched, but we do not tailor what we do in order to meet the needs of the unchurched, the unsaved. Because the unsaved don't understand what they need. God knows what they need and has commissioned us to take the message to them. And so when churches began to design worship experiences and worship services based on the likes, the whims, the desires of the unchurched. They unknowingly left their mission and took on a new mission. God has told us, however, that we are not simply here to be served. Well, I'm looking for a church that has this program and that program. And we we try to reach out and help people in many, many ways here. And I think, in fact, as we've seen more and more needs in our community and more and more effective ways to communicate the message of the gospel, we've been open to that and sensitive to that as God by His Spirit has led us. But we do not want to change or compromise what God has given to us in His Word. In order... to have a larger attendance or a group of people that would cause us to think, well, we've been successful. What success is, is faithfulness and obedience to God. And success is serving the Lord. So instead of Developing a character that seeks to be served, we need to develop a character that seeks to serve and is glad to serve. You you mean you'd like for me to sing in the choir? Praise God. I want to sing for the Lord. You'd like for me to serve in the nursery? I'm able to do that I'd I'd like to serve in the nursery I'd like to serve in, in a ministry as an usher as a greeter what can I do to serve the Lord that's a reason one of seven that are given to us in this passage that you and I need to be exposed to the scripture so that we are equipped to serve now oftentimes we think this we think well I would serve, but I, I certainly don't know enough. I'm, I'm not talented enough. I'm, I'm not gifted enough. Well, the question then becomes, are you available? And are you willing? And we might find that you're not supposed to be a soloist. At least that's what Andrew's told me several times. But I do have the opportunity to preach. You see, God has gifted us to do certain things and we need to employ those gifts to serve him. And as we're exposed to the truth of God's word and the spirit of God works through and in concert with the word of God, he equips us to do exactly what he has made us to do. And that is to serve him. So really, There are no unqualified people here. Not if you know the Lord. Not if the Holy Spirit lives within you. You may not get to do everything you want to do. But there are things for you to do. And I think it will help us immensely to teach our young people to serve the Lord. I remember one time one of my boys came home. He said, I don't be in a choir anymore. My wife got stern. She said, did God tell you that? No. Why'd you join the choir? Well, he couldn't even remember by then. But his mama remembered. You joined the choir because God wanted you in the choir. Did God tell you to get out of the choir? Man, I was under conviction listening to her. You joined the choir. You committed the choir. You committed to serve God. You're not quitting the choir. I said, praise God. I got that same speech a few times when I didn't want to come to church. We need that. That's good for us. Our kids need that. I don't feel like going to church tonight. Neither do I, but I'm going. Why? Because he's worthy. Amen? It's not like a smorgasbord line. You know, you take it. Yeah, I think tonight, I think tonight I'll have the cherry pie. No, it's not that way. We're servants. We need the Bible. Our thinking gets out of line. So it's good for us to read the Bible. Amen? Amen. Seven reasons. May God help us. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.